Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside my color man, Davis Carroll. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from around the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the country and world, however you may be joining us today, whether you are watching on our new and improved YouTube live stream, listening on WEGLFM.com, or just the good old 91.1 in your car or stereo, we welcome you into the show. We're happy to have you in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run morning drive time show. And now, without further ado, of course, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL studios here in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a crisp 65 and sunny Outside this fine Monday morning, we're welcoming you into Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere good morning and our most thankful um, congratulations for you to joining us on this fine Monday morning, spending your morning with us. We sincerely appreciate it here. Davis, how are we feeling about today? How do we feel about this weekend? And are we excited about what this week has to hold? You know, I think uh, even the game was a little tough. For most of it, I think we got we end up getting a win, so I'm pretty happy about it. Had a good weekend. Have a busy week ahead of me, but got LSU this weekend, so it'll all work out. Lots to look forward to and lots to get excited about this week, not only inside of Compact Discourse, but also outside of Compact Discourse. There's a lot going on on campus this week as fall is finally getting into full swing as uh, there's a chill in the air and it continues to show. Uh, maybe maybe not so later in the day when the sun comes out, but for now, we're feeling the fall weather, so get out the pumpkin spice and get out the sweaters because we are here for it at present. All right, at this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask us a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you want to correct us, you can go ahead and do so at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL. You can also shoot us a tweet at cdiscau, that's at c-d-i-s-c-a-u, and I'll do my best to get back to you. I got my tweet deck open right here, so if you send an inquiry, it'll come right on through. All right, lots to get to today. We're going to be discussing a lot, including, uh, of course, the events of the past weekend, lots of sports to get to. We also have campus events coming up this week, um, plenty of campus events to keep you occupied as we move into the fall season, we're also going to be having a lot of fun on the show this week. I think we're going to be eating some cookies later to determine which the best cookie is. So stay tuned. There's plenty of excitement to come, uh, not only today, but for the rest of the week here on Compact Discourse. As always, we'll be having our regularly scheduled guests. We've got JP coming in on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll have Dylan coming in on Thursday and plenty of surprises throughout. Even I don't know what will end up happening. So Stay tuned because it's always a good time here on Compact Discourse. All right, so let's jump right into things here. Um, we'll start with, I guess, initial reactions to to the football game on Saturday. We don't have to go too in-depth with it, but obviously that is the current elephant in the room. So, Davis, I know you, you alluded to it a little bit, but what's your overall general feeling about not only the the game, but also the quarterback change and what that means for the future of the season. Uh, first half, uh, hot take here. First half was terrible. Second half, not as bad. Obviously, I'm sure everybody that has an avenue to say that has said that. So I'm not going to dwell too much on it. 
But you know, Bo Nix played pretty bad. I mean, he compete he completed most of his passes, but like when you just look at the numbers of it, it doesn't seem like he played that bad. But when you when you once you watch the game, you could just tell something wasn't right about him. He wasn't completing the passes he usually completes. It just seemed like something was off for him. And I think it was a good decision to put in TJ Finley. And I will admit, during the game, I was one of the people that said just I'll, I, I wasn't totally against putting TJ Finley in, but I thought we should maybe leave Bo in. I'm more, uh, I guess, a football traditionalist where you don't want to, or sports traditionalist where you don't want to hurt your player's confidence by taking him out mid-game. So I thought maybe we should just hope he can come back and win and put TJ Finley in next game. But I'm glad they put TJ Finley in during the third quarter. I think it was. And, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of rumblings from fans. I guess not rumblings. I've heard a lot of talk from fans that they want Bo to start in Baton Rouge in the Valley. But, you know, uh, we know that he's not good on the road traditionally, and he just played terrible at Auburn at home. So, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing if T.J. Finley can, can start. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and, like, you couldn't write it any better the week before LSU. T.J. Finley has to come in and kind of bail out the team. Um, but I think as far as Bo Nix, I just we had never seen anything like that out of Bo. Maybe at his worst on the road against a top-ranked team, but, I mean, at home against a group of five school on homecoming, he was just not making the plays he needed to make, just looking lost. I'd, it makes me wonder if something was up with Bo, considering how just in – uncharacteristic he looked in the pocket. Maybe five people brought him a pizza at midnight like they did to Michael Jordan. Mm. Although he didn't overcome it like Michael Jordan did, and we won't remember this game for good reasons like we do the uh, MJ flu game. Well, well, you might remember it if he comes out that he got food poisoning. I guess, but I mean, the I don't Georgia know. Georgia State fans have conspired to poison Bo. Now this That's I, not true. I'm now, just kidding. Now this I will say, I... um. On Friday night, I was driving down South Donahue, and it appeared as though the fire alarm had been pulled at uh, the South Donahue Residence Hall. Maybe he didn't get enough sleep. That's what I was thinking. Mm. Like in the back of my mind, it was there. Um, in my mind, like I obviously don't. I mean, I, I've done some pretty incredible things on no sleep, but I don't think that was the culprit. But I don't know. He I'm, doesn't. Does he still live in North Donahue? I don't know. I mean. No telling, but I mean, mm. I mean, there's there's 22 players on a team, you know. It's true. I'm sure one of them was a little, was a little uh, uh, what is it? Tired, tired. eyed, yeah, tired eyed, <laughs> misty eyed. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna have to head to a quick PSA break. But when we come back, we're gonna get to some news from around the country and around the world as we get you updated on your weekend headlines. We're also gonna get talking about some sports, and we're gonna continue our discussion about Auburn football. So. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 with Jack and Davis. We'll be right back in about two minutes after this PSA break.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. We're talking, coming at you live. It is 8.18 a.m. on September 27th, 2021. We are broadcasting live from the campus of Auburn University here in the WEGL studios. Welcoming you in to a lovely fall Monday morning outside. So let's jump right into your headlines. We've got uh, plenty of headlines from over the weekend. Moulin Rouge, the musical, has won 10 Tony Awards over the weekend. Hmm. How do you feel about that, Davis? You a, a scholar of the Broadway arts? Not really. I'm not a big musical fan, personally. I don't have anything really against them. I'm just not. I, I hear you like Coco. I do really like Coco. It's probably, that's my favorite Disney movie. I think it's the best, but I'm open to other arguments. Tangled's my other favorite Disney movie. Do you think that would translate into a stage play well, Coco? Mm, you know what? I think it maybe. You'd have to make some... Yeah, I think you could. You'd have to do some special things with it, but with the right writer, it'd be interesting to see. I'd watch that. I've seen a lot of good uh, movies adapted into stage plays, including Aladdin. Mm, have you seen The Lion King? Was that one good? I... I I I've have I've definitely seen The Lion King in in a in a theater context, but I don't know if I'm old enough to have an opinion about it. Fair. I always thought it was a little weird. I mean, like Lion King's a weird one because they all have to dress up. They always have to wear those big masks and stuff. But I think that's what makes it cool. It's like an engineering marvel. All the cool costumes, but that, like the guy on stilts as the giraffe. Is it good though? Like you can put on costumes all day, but if it doesn't translate well. Lion King's like based on a stage play. It's based yeah, it's on Hamlet. It's based on Hamlet, so I think it's just so it's just Hamlet with costumes, I guess. So Hamlet, I guess it, it can't be bad. It's just Hamlet with fursuits. <laughs> All right. Uh continuing to move on to our other headlines. The Social Democrats have narrowly beat Angela Merkel's voter block in the German election. Germany's center left Social Democrats won the biggest share of the vote in a national election on Sunday, narrowly beating out Chancellor Angela Merkel's center right union block in a closely fought race. That will determine who succeeds the long-time leader at the helm of Europe's biggest economy. So Angela Merkel's chancellorship in a little bit of uh, question as the coalition of votes she had was narrowly beat out in the German elections yesterday. I have a question about Berlin. Was it her government or the new government that was buying up all the private-owned apartment complexes. Did you see that? I'm looking. Mm. They're making them public for the people. I'm not sure if that's her. If, has she officially stepped down yet? Berlin voters back wrestling apartments away from landlords. Boom. Interesting. How about that? Well, it looks like people are in favor of it. It looks like that resolution or whatever vote went through based on all these headlines I'm seeing, Reuters, ABC, and Bloomberg. They seized 200,000 homes from private real estate companies and transferred them into public ownership. Interesting. All right, so moving on to our next headline, we have uh, just a quick NFL recap. Uh, a lot of interesting things happened on Sunday. We had Justin Tucker setting a NFL record with a 66-yard field goal, and it wasn't even in Denver. It was in Detroit as he bounced it off the crossbar as time expired to give the Ravens a 19-17 to win over the Lions. Lions continuing to find ways to lose games and um, 
you know what? Eventually they'll run out of ways, but for now they're going to keep inventing new ways to beat the Lions. And in the late game last night, uh, if you're able to watch that, Aaron Rodgers looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers uh, combining with Devontae Adams and Mason Crosby to put up a substantial number of points to take down the San Francisco 49ers in uh, Levi's Stadium. So jumped out to a big lead, allowed the 49ers to come back, and then were able to seal the deal on a 51-yarder off the boot of Mason Crosby. So looks like vintage Packers are back after a lackluster performance in week one. Vintage Packers play good all season and then fall apart in the playoffs and then do nothing in the offseason. So, yeah. Nothing but if com- they were here, he'd get really mad about that. Nothing but complain. <laughs> but, yeah. He'd get mad about that. Aaron Rodgers is back. A little more disheveled looking now. I, I think it, it, was, it was a good game. I would say so. Um, all the primetime games this, this season have been good. Would you agree with that? The most boring one so far was probably the Panthers one, I'm going to be honest. I mean, primetime and Sunday. On Sunday? Sunday and Monday. Okay, then yeah. I can't really think of any ones that have been bad. I haven't been able to watch all of them, though. I mean, as far I I, I don't know how the quality of game, but in terms of score, they've been all... Okay, fair, fair, fair. Mm-hmm. All right, um, some other headlines. The United States of America has defeated Europe in the Ryder Cup with a resounding victory of 19-9, to mm. um, the largest margin of victory ever in the Ryder Cup. And it may be the end of an era for Europe as they had won nine of the previous 12 Ryder Cups, and this is one of the youngest USA teams to ever compete in the Ryder Cup. So the future is bright for the United States. So hopefully in two years, the Ryder Cup will retain its uh, position in the hands of the United States as uh, Europe's string of dominance looks to be coming to a close in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Denny Hamlin takes gets his first NASCAR win at the Las Vegas Speedway yesterday, and that is about it for your sports wrap-up. And then your Today in Sports History, September 27, 1998, Mark McGuire gives baseball a new magic number, hitting two hun- homers to reach number 70 in the St. Louis Cardinals season finale. So that's when Mark McGuire set the record for most home runs in a single well, season. speaking of the Cardinals, they just hit 16 wins in a row. So another record. I mean, that's all coming up. What was the Cardinals? You know, they always find a way to be clutch down the stretch. I mean, I'm thinking about 2011 when they when they had a, you know, like a seven games back on the Braves in the final months. I mean, they found a way to come all the way back to take down the Braves to get that final wild card spot. The Cardinals are hot. Apparently it's the most uh, longest win streak since like the 50s or something, which is crazy, in the AL. or Yeah, they're in the AL, right? No, they're in the National League. Okay, in the NL. Always get those two mixed up. Obviously the other longest one, I guess in the AL then, would be the Athletics in the early 2000s. That's correct. Getting 21? Mm, at least 20. Fair. We got to watch Moneyball again. We do. Moneyball episode of Through the Lens? I'd be down for that. Hmm. Sports movies? That's going to happen eventually. Moneyball has to be on there. I've seen that quite a few times. All right, so looking over at your National League wild card race, the St. Louis Cardinals have claimed the second spot from the Cincinnati Reds um, with an 87-69 and 69 record. Um, they are not going to catch the Dodgers, who are a 
have won 100 games but are still sitting in a wild card spot, if you can believe that. Um, but the Cincinnati Reds are just one game, or they're six games behind the, uh, the Cardinals. So I don't know if it's going to be... I think the playoff picture has pretty much shaped itself up at this point, and rightfully so with four, four days left in the season. Uh, Cincinnati and Philadelphia... Their wild card elimination number is one. So they got to play perfect if they want to make it into the big dance in October. You've got San Francisco locking up the central or the West Division, Milwaukee in the central. And then Atlanta is going to have to do their darndest to not get caught by Philadelphia. But I think they're going to hold on to that Eastern Division crown for I think the fourth straight year. Atlanta's coming away with the victory in that one. But we will get to baseball later in the show. We just wanted to mention that historic win streak by the St. Louis Cardinals and, you know, frame that against what happened 20 years ago when Mark McGuire set the single season record for home runs. Do people give Mark McGuire's home run record an asterisk by it? I don't know if they do. Hmm. Obviously, this source doesn't, considering it listed as, you know. Yet another very big player of that time has an asterisk by his. But all, that, I, all I'll say. That's not single season. It's all time, so it's more important. Mm. Debatable. A debate for another day. I would, I would say Once so. Hillman's in here, we'll hash it out with them. I would agree. So those are your big headlines for the weekend. Um, looks like Angela Merkel is on her way out in the government of Germany, currently sitting at Europe's largest economy, a little bit of exciting sports news between NASCAR, the Ryder Cup, and Sunday night football, and of course, entertainment news with the Tony Awards going on last last weekend. All right, we're going to head to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do weather, and we're going to jump right into some sports right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. You're listening to Compact Discourse with Jack and Davis right here broadcasting live uh, at the bottom of the hour, 828. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more Compact Discourse. Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, 8.32 in the morning on September 27th, 2021. We're broadcasting live on the Big 91 here, live from Auburn University. It's Compact Discourse right here on 91.1 FM. That is, of course, WEGL, your home for student-run radio on the Plains. Since 1971, 50 years of WEGL. Let's jump right into your weather report on this crisp Monday morning. It's starting to feel like fall out there, folks. It is 66 degrees and sunny here on the plains on the campus of Auburn University. This morning, it's probably going to get up to 75 degrees, but no chance of rain. Clear skies. Don't even worry about that raincoat as we move into the afternoon. We're looking at a, a little bit of heat, 82 degrees, but no chance of rain will persist throughout the afternoon. 
This evening, we're looking at clear skies as well. Maybe a stray cloud here or there, giving us a 7% chance of rain and an overnight temp of 63 degrees. So that is going to be your daily weather report here from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, we're also looking at Hurricane Sam has developed in the Caribbean. It is moving from the southeast to the northwest uh, around the Lesser Antilles Islands, I guess is what those would be called. I'm around Puerto Rico. So taking a look on that one, it is currently a Category 4, but it looks like it will be downgraded to a Category 3 out in the open ocean. So keeping an eye on that one, hoping it does not make landfall on the eastern coast of the United States. But we are taking a look at Hurricane Sam as it continues to move across the Atlantic Ocean, and we will keep you updated as that progresses. And that's going to do it for your weather report until 9.30. So stay tuned. we got a lot to get to here on Compact Discourse. Let's jump into college football as we talk about a lot of ranked teams going down over the weekend. Anything to say about that, Davis? It's exciting. Auburn was almost one of them. We were able to pull it out, though. I mean, yeah, we we had a we have next week, this upcoming week, circled on our calendars from all the exciting matchups we got. But I think a lot of it was kind of a look ahead weekend. People, a lot of people, looking forward to that because a lot of teams with a ranking went down in an unexpected fashion. And what better way to talk about that than just to go ahead and jump right into your college football scoreboard for week four? Oklahoma State deals the first blow of the weekend. They knocked off 20, number 25 Kansas State, 31-20. UCLA gets a much-needed win against the Pac-12 rivals Stanford. They win 35-24 over the Cardinal. Auburn survives a scare against Georgia State. Bo Nix goes 13-27, of 27, and Auburn somehow manages to come away with a win in Jordan-Hare Stadium on homecoming. They win that one 34-24. Georgia Tech shocks the college football world in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They blow out the Tar Heels of North Carolina 45-22. Michigan State takes advantage of a hapless Nebraska team. They win that one in overtime 23-20. Number 19 Rutgers gets a or number 19 Michigan gets a scare from Rutgers, but they are able to pull out the win. 20-13, Michigan remains undefeated and remains number 19 in the country. Coastal Carolina handles U.S. UMass 53-3. BYU gets a little scare from South Florida. They only win that one by 8, 35-27. Baylor knocks off number 14, Iowa State, 31-29 as Brock Purdy goes 22-33 of 33 for 263 yards. In the game day game, Notre Dame runs all over Wisconsin, scoring 31 points in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame and the Irish come out on top of that one. 41 of 13. Wisconsin's quarterback goes 18 of 41. Not much you can do with that stat line. Florida down early but comes away with a win in the swamp. 38-14 over the Vols of Tennessee. Ohio State blows out Akron 59-7. NC State double overtime champions over Clemson. They win that one 27-21 in Carter-Finley Stadium and Clemson goes down. Arkansas gets their first win over Texas A&M since joining the SEC. They double up the Aggies 20-10. Down goes to number seven in the land. Number six, Penn State handles FCS Villanova 38-17. Iowa gets a scare from Colorado State but wins by 10. Low-scoring game in the Big 12, Oklahoma 16, West Virginia 13. 
Oregon Tank takes care of business against Arizona 41-19. Georgia runs Vanderbilt out of Nashville 62 to nothing. Alabama does the same to Southern Miss 63-14. And in that Friday night game, it was Fresno State number 22. They win 38-30 in a Mountain West contest over the running Rebels of UNLV. All right, shocking games out of that top 25, Davis. I think the one that jumps out to me is, we know, West Virginia holding their own with Oklahoma. And, you know, when's the last time you saw 29 combined points in a Big 12 game? Uh, it's the Big 12, so I, I, a long time ago. Yeah, maybe it was someone beating Kansas 29 to nothing. If Alex were here, he'd probably name the day, the day and the hour, but... It's the Big 12. You know you know they love to score. Yeah, so it's probably been a while. With Oklahoma at the helm. But Oklahoma will remain 4-0 and and perfect for now. Uh, Oklahoma does look very vulnerable, as does Clemson, but Clemson did find their way into the loss column this weekend. I think the biggest, it, the shared issue with those two teams, one's more obvious than the other to me, is that their quarterback just is, I don't think Spencer Rattler's good. And I think everybody's kind of come to see that DJ Ugalele did I pronounce that right? I think that's what we're going with here. Is not that good. I don't think. He's thrown like one touchdowns in three games. And Spencer Rattler, like, he seems to have all the tools, but maybe he just has Jeremy Johnson. Maybe not. Okay, that's a little that's a little extreme. I just don't think he's really the answer for Oklahoma. He just doesn't really seem to have the killer instinct yeah, that what, the previous what he needs, Oklahoma yeah. Heisman winners have had. Yeah. He's no Jalen Hurts, no Baker Mayfield. He's no uh, Kyler Murray. He's just kind of there. I feel like he's kind of like a bridge quarterback until they can get a better one. Mm. But they think he's good. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I'm very open to it, but hes I don't think he's yet to do it. He keeps all these games that should not be close, close. Maybe you can put that on Oklahoma's defense as well, but I feel like he has some blame in that. Yeah, I mean, this Oklahoma defense looks serviceable enough, you know, holding a high-octane West Virginia team to just 13. It's fair. It's true. Spencer Rattler, final stat line in that one, he was 26 of 36 for 256 yards and just a single tutty. And I think that might be the only touchdown Oklahoma scored in the entire game. Uh, They scored six points in the fourth, but I don't know if that was a failed two-point or not. But low offense is not something we're used to seeing from a Lincoln-Riley Oklahoma team. I'm sure it's getting frustrating for those Sooners fans Mm -hmm. because they're just thinking back to when they – I mean, they're not – I wouldn't say they're bad now, but when they were good. But the biggest thing this weekend, I just I alluded to it, was that Clemson was taken down by NC State, the Wolfpack. It's like their first top 25 win since 2012, maybe? It's their first top 10 win since 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a crazy one. I'm surprised uh, Clemson lost to NC State. Uh, that's really odd. Well, I mean, if you'll remember back in – like the previous era of college football in the early playoff era, NC State was an absolute graveyard for Florida State. That's true. And now that Clemson has the crown in the ACC, it seems that Carter-Finley Stadium is kind of like the Kinnick Stadium of the ACC. You know, it, it's, a, it's a look-ahead game, and NC State is just a scrappy team. It is just good enough to take care of business, it seems, in the ACC. Uh, Devin Leary, quarterback for NC State, he finishes 32 of 44, 238 yards and four touchdowns, uh, a bit misleading considering two of those were in overtime, but uh, that Clemson-NC State game did go to into regulation, tied 14-14 with a missed field goal uh, being the decider to send it to overtime. 
NC State scores 13 in overtime to Clemson's 7, and the Wolfpack storm the field and get their first big program win in quite some time. So looks like Clemson is going to have to battle mightily. They have a Herculean path ahead of them if they would like to even have a sniff at the college football playoff already being handed two losses in the four weeks' time. Do you think they're going to be falling out of the top 25 any time this season? I think I think they'll be lingering around the 22-24 um, era, you know? Yeah, I think, I, that, I that's, think that's fair. I think uh, they, we, we'll take a look at the, at the new AP Top 25 in the next segment. But for now, I do think that Clemson uh, – I don't see them. I, I, I mean, I talked earlier in la- on the show last week about how easy their schedule was, but based on how bad they've been playing, I don't really. I have some more questions about that one, including um, a game against Boston College, which may lo- it looks a little scarier now after they put up a really good fight against an SEC team this weekend against Missouri. I like to read a book about some of those those teams that'll get you, like that you don't expect to. Appalachian State's one of those. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like. You just don't expect them to do it, and then they keep it close with a top-10 team or even win sometimes. I'd read a book about that. There probably is one somewhere. All right, Notre Dame, 4-0, number 12 in the land, and they ran all over Wisconsin. What does this say about Wisconsin? What does this say about Penn State? What does this say about the Big Ten as Notre Dame takes Wisconsin to the woodshed in Soldier Field? Hmm. Is, is Notre Dame good or is Wisconsin bad? Because Notre Dame struggled against an 0-4 Florida State team. Well, Notre Dame, I feel like maybe it's a mix of both. Notre Dame's never really bad. They just either have issues, but they're never really that good either in my eyes. They're never elite. Yeah. They're always they're always good. Like, you don't want to phone in a game against them. But, like, they're... They're not winning the championship anytime soon to me. Well, I will tell you that 1.30 p.m. this Saturday on NBC, the now number 9-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be taking on the number 7 Cincinnati Bearcats. So I don't know if anyone predicted a top 10 potentially game day matchup uh, between the Irish and Cincinnati, although it probably won't be game day considering they just did Notre Dame. Uh, but that that is something I do want to bring up. It segues me into another team, which is Arkansas Razorbacks taking down the Texas A&M Aggies in Jerry World for the first time ever. Arkansas is looking really good this season. Arkansas is looking great. They scare me mightily, and <laughs> I will be rooting for them this weekend as they take on the Georgia Bulldogs Yeah, in what will probably be game day as it is a top-10 SEC matchup that game day just loves to sink their teeth into. Let's go Razorbacks. I will be rooting for the Hogs for this week and this week alone, and maybe even on the you know 20th of November as well. But we'll be looking to see that, and hopefully game day will be selected to be Athens, Georgia, this upcoming weekend, and the Hogs will be able to pull off a big upset. And if that happens, I think Arkansas, sky's the limit. They've, they've been not good for a long time, and just to get shot out of a cannon like this, taking down a team they've never beaten before in the SEC and now a chance to knock off the number two team in the land. I bet the the, the hype is high in Fayetteville this this season. I can't wait to go there as an Auburn fan and yeah, in the, possibly get dis- probably get disappointed. In the one game we won't win in Fayetteville in the past 
five years. Picked a great year to make that trip. All right, we're going to head to a quick PSA break, and when we come back, we got some more college football chat to get to, including the new AP Top 25 and immediate reactions to that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. We're broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin Studios here on the campus of Auburn University. We thank you to all of you who are out there in Radio Land joining us in the booth today, WeGoFM.com. You can listen 24 hours a day to Auburn's number one student-run radio station for 50 years now. You can also Tune in on Weagle 91.1 FM, as the name implies. You can also go over to our YouTube page. Just look for WEGL 91.1 on YouTube. Look for that orange and blue eagle and watch any episode of Compact Discourse you like. Completely PSA break free. Ah, they're not. But you know what is PSA break free? The podcast. Uh, You can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. I just go to Spotify, search for Compact Discourse, look for that orange and blue CD logo, and you can listen to any old episode of Compact Discourse. Absolutely PSA break free and uh, a little editorialized sometimes when people get off color. I'm just kidding. All right. We are going to move on to the AP poll in college football, and we'll discuss each and every team as we move on, including some far drops and some interesting new additions. And we'll get to two of those right as we go to number 25, the Clemson Tigers. The road does not get any easier for Clemson as they will be hosting Boston College in their next game. Clemson sitting at 2-2. and They are now number 25, teetering on the brink of unrankedness. I guess I'd answer my question from earlier. Do you think it's time to start their backup if DJ Luke, if we agree that DJ Ugalele is the problem? I just found out that the backup's name is probably harder to pronounce than DJ's name. Who, who is it? Tyson, T-A-I-S-U-N, Fomancha, P-H-O-M-M-A-C-H-A-N-H. Fomanch. You think? It has to be said. It's not a C-H, it's an N-H. Foman. That sounds right. Um, They also have Lin J. Well, there's a C. Where? P-H-O-M-M-A-C-H-A-N-H. I'll look into it. Okay, you were saying? Um, <laughs> um, so it looks like there's uh, they have offensive line issues as well. They have a lot of issues on offense. Dabo Swinney after the game against NC State, so they're just going to have to reevaluate everything on offense, but he's going to stick with DJ under center. So that's the story out of Clemson, South Carolina. Moving on, we've also got the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 4-0. They have crashed into the poll. They have won at unranked Virginia. And they have a 65% chance to win at each of their next four games, according mm. to ESPN's FPI. They do have a November 6th date with the Tar Heels of North Carolina. But for now, 
the Deeks are undefeated and uh, looking to shake up the AFC playoff picture. ACC playoff picture. <laughs> NFL moment. Come on. I'm a big Wake Forest fan. More in basketball, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad to see they're thriving in football as well. Their mascot's cool. It looks like green Abraham Lincoln. Is that the one where he has the, the top hat on? He has the top hat. And he the monocle. Comes out on the motorcycle. What? Yeah, check that out. Um, as we move on to the next team, congratulations to the Deeks for making an appearance in the poll. The NC State Wolfpack, after toppling Clemson, yeah. uh, they are the highest-ranked ACC team in the poll. Not to provide any spoilers, but I think it is worth mentioning uh, regarding the NC State team that the ACC, how far they have fallen, literally, from 9 to 25 in the poll, but also just on average, we got 0-4 Florida State, and now we got 2-2 and Clemson. Uh, it's not looking good for the ACC. Are they the new Pac-12? We shall see. Time will tell. But number 23 overall, we got the NC State Wolfpack sitting at 3-1, and one, previously unranked. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, number 22, we have your Auburn Tigers. How about that? How about a little... D-I-G-E-R-S Tigers. Sitting at number 22 in the AP poll, uh, they survived. You know, innocent until proven guilty is the law of the land here in the AP poll, and uh, they have not lost yet, uh, only to a top-ranked um, Penn State team. So we shall see what the future holds for the Auburn Tigers. They are, of course, heading to Death Valley to try and get their first win against Baton Rouge in Baton Rouge against, uh, you know, I'm losing it today. Um, they are trying to get their first win against the Tigers of LSU, those Bayou Bengals from Baton Rouge since 1999, and Tommy Tuberville. We'll see if Brian Harson in year one can get that done, potentially with TJ Finley transfer from, of course, the Bayou Bengals. We shall see how that develops as the starter perhaps gets named later in the week. What do you feel about TJ Finley and his? Uh, I know you, I know you said something about a read option on Saturday. Well, yeah, yeah. So the thing is with. So, basically, when I said when he first started, he didn't start out hot. I, I'm going to be honest. He did not start out amazing. And the biggest read I had during I was like, the biggest difference between Bo and TJ, to me, is one that TJ's bigger. That's obvious. Kind of bulky. He's 6'7", which I didn't know. He's gigantic. But he'll actually run it with the read option. Bo just has a tendency to hand it off. Even when he has an open lane, he'll just hand it off every time. And even fake like he's going to run. But TJ will actually run it. And also, I also will add an addendum to that. Hmm. Mm. That uh how polysyllabic of you. Ooh. TJ has the has an X factor that I haven't seen Bo have since that Oregon game a while ago, personally. How interesting. Yeah, All right. That's my take. Rolling right along uh to the other fifth of the AP poll, we have the Baylor Bears have crashed the party as well. They are 4-0. Shout out to Mr. Henry Roden. Hope you're listening today. Uh, out there in Waco, Texas. The 4-0 Bears are a surprise of the season. They knocked off number 14 Iowa State. Is Baylor back in the Big 12? They are sitting pretty at 4-0. Uh, Gary Bohannon, or Jerry maybe. <laughs> it starts with a G has been ultra-efficient for the Bears, completing 73% of his passes with seven touchdowns and no interceptions. Wow. Uh, Baylor has Oklahoma State coming up. 
the Bears taking on the Cowboys will be a battle of 4-0 teams. How about that? Quick uniform factor. Thoughts on the Bailey uniforms? Do they wear the banana uniforms? I think so, but I'll, I like their green ones usually. I like their, their rebrand when they went from, from RG3 gold to banana yellow. Interesting. I like when teams stop pretending their their colors are gold and just go with yellow. Do you, you, you know about this phenomenon? Yes. I'm, I think the biggest one, I think I heard you talking about the other day, was the 49ers, which I don't mind the 49ers. Well, the 49ers gold. have never owned up to being banana yellow because they're not That's really. Fair. That's but, fair. But uh, I, I'm thinking of some examples uh, like LSU. You know, they they say they say love purple, live gold. You know, love they're just, they're pur- love just purple, yellow. live yellow. Yeah, I like the we're band. on we're on to you. I'll be honest, I like the RG three uniforms. I like those too. They're iconic, but they look so dated. Like the old gold is not a look that is That's held fair. up. Like it looks okay on like Vandy and Navy because they have like the the military aesthetic, I guess. But the old gold isn't doing it for me anymore. It certainly does. Look, it kind of looks like a high school uniform. It looks like it belongs on a standard definition television. If that makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. I do like old stuff though. Like I like vintage uniforms. I do too, but I think you know, if if, if they want to wear old gold for homecoming, that's great. Do that. But I like the banana yellow that they're going with uh with it just looks so cool. It's like it's like inverse Oregon, you know? Yes. They got like a a nice green, a nice yellow. It it's good. All right. One more team to talk about on the AP poll before we hit the 9 o'clock break, and that is the UCLA Bruins, another Bear team, the best team in the Pac-12 South to this point. UCLA has an important test on Saturday. Oh, excuse You're me. good? <laughs> I'm making it. I'm like Bradley Whitford over here. <laughs> they have an important test on Arizona uh, on Saturday against Arizona State at the Rose Bowl. Um, so that will be big in determining who will come out victorious in the Pac-12 South. That is kind of a meat grinder between UCLA, Arizona State, uh, maybe even Utah, and USC. So we shall see who will be taking on Oregon come December in the Pac-12. UCLA is going to get a regular season matchup with Oregon on the 23rd. So interesting developments out West as the Pac-12 tries to cobble together a playoff spot uh, will it be UCLA? Will it be Oregon? Only time will tell. I think it'll probably be Oregon. I think Oregon has like a 50-50 shot of making the playoffs. I if, don't trust Chip Kelly. If anybody from the Pac-12 goes to the playoff, it's obviously Oregon. But I, I, don't, I don't trust Oregon not to not to drop one to like Utah, you know. Fair. Chip Kelly's still the coach of the Bruins, right? That's correct. Okay, good. If he was allowed to trade, he'd be trading all his players right now. Wow. Just because he could. DeMarco Murray moment. Uh, don't forget about it. He <laughs> he traded for, uh, oh, what's his name, the quarterback for no reason. You know what? What is his name? I used to like him. Sam Bradford? Yeah. Sam Bradford. Um, speaking of Sam Bradford, we're going to get to Oklahoma and a lot more coming up on the other side of this 9 o'clock break. Don't go anywhere. we still got... 19 more teams to get to on the AP poll. We've got some pennant chases to talk about. We've got a big Phillies versus Braves series cooking up in Atlanta this week. And we also got some cookies to eat. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm Jack Hart. Joined alongside Davis Carroll. We'll be back in about five minutes for the second half of the show. You're listening to WEGL 91.1 FM, 50 years old, the big 91. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about five minutes. 
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, as always. And we got the illustrious Dylan Basin joining us in the booth for the second hour of the show. We're jumping right in. If you missed anything we talked about in the first hour, including some college football, some news from the weekend, and a whole lot more, including your weather report, as we are enjoying this fall weather, currently 67 degrees and sunny outside on the campus of Auburn University. We welcome you into the show. However, you may be joining us today. You can listen to the first half of the show on our podcast. Just search for Compact Discourse wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify is my podcast player of choice, but whoever you want to get it, just search for it. Well, you'll find it. Uh, it's PSA break free as well, I might add. All right, Davis. Dylan, how are we feeling? We excited to get on with the second hour of the show. Lots to be excited about this week, and I want to hear about it. Super excited for some college football talk. That's my guy. That's why you're in here, Davis. I'm, I'm having trouble seeing right now, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, Dylan, do we have an Auburn stages this week? We do. Yes. Tell me more. We have Sonic Nation, Auburn University show band, playing on the Upper Quad Lawn. Six o'clock this Thursday night. How about that? All right, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, continue to follow WEGL on Instagram for more updates about that one. Um, but the Wauburn Stages is probably the coolest live event on campus, so you won't want to miss it. It's completely free. Just roll up and check it out. We got some awesome light, live music. We got some awesome lights as well is what makes Auburn Stages so cool. And then, of course, the amazing talent that Dylan somehow manages to wrangle up week after week after week. So, of course, WEGL underscore AU on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter and TikTok, same at, at WEGL underscore AU, to get all the information you need about Auburn Stages and every other event that the station is putting on. Okay, you can also follow this show on Twitter at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. Tweet at us, get your opinion on the show, or, you know, just send us some love. I know Harrison over um, at TNT in the morning loves sending us some love, so if you want to follow suit, you can go ahead and do that as well. All right, let's jump right back into our discussion. If you have some anything you want to say about the new AP poll rankings, including Clemson dropping from number 6 all the way to number 25 after a loss to NC State, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345, and we'd love to field your opinion. All right. We just talked about number 20, UCLA, so let's head on over to number 19, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, as the Big 12 appears to be completely wide open, and Oklahoma looks ex- incredibly vulnerable. Let's see if their rival from across the state in Stillwater can take the crown. Oklahoma State is 4-0. and They have a October 9th date with Texas and Iowa State the next weekend, so pretty difficult places to play if you're Oklahoma State, and you've also got... Baylor coming up this next weekend. Oklahoma State, I believe, has lost or has won their previous three games by just one score, including a controversial win over Boise State. So you can put as much stock into that 4-0 record as you would like. But the matter remains that the Oklahoma State Cowboys are undefeated and sitting at number 19. Davis? Uh, I don't really I don't really have too much to say about them. I don't know a lot about the Cowboys. I do like Oklahoma State go. Go Barry Sanders. Okay. Good call. Uh, moving on, we got the Fresno State Bulldogs. They are 4-1. and one. Um, They had that one loss to Oregon, but they have that one win over UCLA. So Fresno State hitting at number 18 ahead of UCLA. Um, they beat UNLV 38-30 to 
Uh, however, that was a pretty hapless running Rebels team that they were able to take down. So we shall see if Fresno State drops another game. They face Hawaii on the road next week, so always difficult traveling into two time zones over to play your game. And then they will take on an undefeated Wyoming squad later in the season. It's fun to see Fresno State getting some love. Yeah, not since the Carr brothers have we seen a Fresno State mm. team of this talent level. Interesting. Who's our quarterback right now? Right now? This I do not know. However, I can look. That's fair. That's what's great about computers. I think they're going to have a blast this week, though. Trip to Hawaii? I mean, it's a hard trip to make. It's fun to go to Hawaii, but you're only there for like two days. One day you beat Hawaii. The next day you just chill in Hawaii. All right, we got Jake Hainer. H-A-E-N-E-R. Hainer. He has 15 touchdowns and is thrown for 1,800 yards. How many interceptions? He has a 74 QBR. Okay. So that is that is my answer to your question. Okay. That's pretty um, good. I'm pulling up the team stats. Hayner has two interceptions, 15 and two. Wow, that's good. He's playing good. Playing great. Fresno State has a has a way of getting their hand on some decent quarterbacks every now and then. It's that pipeline, you know. It's that it's that uh, it's that Napa Valley pipeline just sends them right over. All right. Moving on to the Big Ten, we got Michigan State. They are four and zero after beating Nebraska in overtime. Michigan State only had 14 yards of offense in the second half, though. Uh, so take take that how you will. Um, they are playing against Western Kentucky and Rutgers in the next two weeks, so there's a very good chance we could see this Michigan State team go 6-0 and uh, before the day is done. They were number 28 last week. They're sitting at number 17 now. They got the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy coming up on October 30th against Big Blue of Michigan, who struggled against Rutgers last week. The last, the, every time I think of Michigan State, I think of that blocked punt that they beat Michigan with. Is On the last play at a game. And that clip of Draymond Green playing football where he looks really goofy. What about the clip of Draymond Green coming out for pregame in the Spartan suit? I haven't seen that one. You got to check that out. All right, and while Davis checks that out, we'll move on to I'll squint at it over the here. number 16 team in the land, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. They are 4-0 and yeah. once again. They blew out UMass Amherst. Uh, 53 to three, and they have Terry Bowden's UL Monroe team coming up this weekend. Uh, they'll head to Arkansas State on the seventh, and then App State on the twentieth. The Mountaineers have been their only equal this season, and the Sun Belt Championship will probably run through Boone as the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers will be taking on the App State Nears on October twentieth. So we shall see what the Sun Belt does as they vie for the best team in the Group of Five. I'm so happy there's some Chanticleer loves being shown. Chanticleer's a rooster. It sure is. Found that out on From the Bench a few years ago. Did you not just look at their logo? Hey. Yeah, I mean, we did, but then we looked into it. Like, what's a Chanticleer? A Chanticleer. It's like a fancy um, lighting arrangement you hang over your dining room table. Oh, good one. You know, I there's some there's some unconventional teams in the top 25 this year so far. It's been fun. You know, I think Chris Tobias pointed called his shot uh, week one that said a lot of good teams were going to be bad and a lot of bad teams are going to be good. Awesome. Or historically. All right, moving on to a team that dropped. We have the Texas A&M Aggies dropped from number seven to number 15 after that loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean the offense is struggling. This, I mean, the offense struggling has kind of been the theme for a lot of a lot of top ten teams preseason. Just ran into a brick wall when it came for their offense to perform. You had Clemson, 
You got Oklahoma. You got A and M, who only put up you know ten points against Colorado, who stinks. And uh, you had the same you had the same problems on Saturday. Who oh, I think Arkansas may have jumped out to a seventeen three lead against the Aggies on Saturday. So A and M's got to get their offense in shape if they want to have any kind of sniff at the SEC West. The Monstars came by and took everybody's mojo <laughs> while they weren't looking. Interesting. Interesting. Michael Jordan's going to have to come out and dunk from half court. Do you think those five guys that delivered the pizza were the aliens? Hmm. Talking about burgers and fries? Hmm. No, we're talking about Space Jam and the Michael J- Jordan flu game. If you can uh, hang on, if you can hang on to me and Davis's <laughs> foreign language, we speak to each other. So with the five, the five guys delivering the pizza, I've also read something that like the guy that. The, that the guy who owned the pizza place, he was like, I'm not letting anybody touch this pizza. And he delivered it himself, he claims. But I've also heard quite a few stories about the five guys showing up randomly and delivering it. So who knows? I'll look into it. We'll get our best investigative journalists on the case. All right, number 14, you got the Michigan Wolverines. They've moved up from number 19. Um, they're another team struggling with offense. Uh, Cade McNamara, he had only nine completions against Rutgers, and eight of those came in the first half. Four straight possessions in the second half without a first down, and they let Rutgers right back into that game before the defense kind of bailed them out. Um, the schedule is going to get harder for the Michigan Wolverines, so we'll see if this is a classic Michigan blowing it season. Um, but right for right now, they're sitting at 4-0, looking to make some noise in the Big Ten. Uh, moving on, we got BYU. They are four and zero as well. Uh, they are going to look to take on uh, Utah State, the Aggies of Utah State, against BYU this weekend. They don't look very good actually, as they got beat twenty seven to three from Boise State last week. So a five and zero Cougars team will probably see their way into the top ten and maybe even playoff and New Year's Six conversations, as it's going to be hard to keep a undefeated BYU team out of the playoff, especially from their performance last year. All right, number 12, we got the Ole Miss Rebels. They are 3-0, and so a lot of good teams in the SEC West this year, unfortunately for our Auburn Tigers. But the Rebels did have their bye week, and they are coming up against Alabama this weekend. Uh, but the FPI still only gives them a 20% chance of win. Um, Heisman by default, Matt Corral, Matt Corral. Um, he looks like just about the only quarterback who hasn't absolutely fallen off the track so far this season. Um, Alabama's defense did not look spectacular against Florida. Um, so we'll see if this Ole Miss high-octane offense can uh, can do a little running against Alabama. But it's going to be a near-perfect performance to take down Alabama this weekend for Ole Miss. So undefeated, but maybe not for long, are the Ole Miss Rebels. I would love for Ole Miss to replicate, what year was that, 2015? 2015 and 2014. I would love for that to happen again. Tony the Land Shark showing up in Tuscaloosa and beating up Big Al. I mean, you got Ole Miss, you got Arkansas, you got Alabama. I mean, is the winner of the SEC West going to have a loss this season? Hmm. I mean, it's looking like it. It looks like an absolute meat grinder right now in the SEC West considering how competitive and close these teams are playing. A right. quarter of or a fifth of the top twenty-five is SEC West. It's kind of insane. That is an immaculate stat. Thank you, Dylan. All right, we're going to head to a quick PSA break, and when we come back, we got a lot more to get to, including the other eleven teams in the AP top twenty-five, as well as some MLB 
postseason implication matchups in Atlanta. And we're going to eat some cookies to end off the show. So don't go anywhere. You listen to Compact Discourse right here on the Big 91. I'm Jack Hard, joined alongside Dylan and Davis. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com. Or if you're listening or watching on our YouTube live stream, you can do that too. That's WEGL 91.1 on YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Absolutely PSA break free. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Dylan Baisden. We're talking college football as the new AP poll came out. Yesterday and lots of shakeups as some big winners and some big losers over the weekend. So we're going to roll right along with that. Moving on to the number eleven team in the land, the Ohio State Buckeyes are three and one. C.J. Stroud is looking to return to the starting lineup after nursing a shoulder injury, and the potential backup Kyle McCord uh, could be continuing to play. He played pretty well against Akron, but you know we know how we personally know how easy it is to play well against Akron. So. Uh, Maryland and Rutgers are going to be up next on the schedule, which looks pretty easy, but, you know, Rutgers look pretty good, Maryland look pretty good, and then you got Indiana and Penn State coming up. So, you know, days off for the Buckeyes. We'll see if they can survive the Big Ten schedule and maintain their playoff hopes as they are sitting with one loss already. Go Buckeyes? I mean, no. Go the, away, Buckeyes? The yeah, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Tra- trademark that. Oh, I have to pay him now. Trademark that definite article. No. All right, you got the Florida Gators sitting at number 10, moving into the top 10 now. Dan Mullen said he is settling in, learning how to call a game with Emory Jones at quarterback, and they had a pretty dominant win against Tennessee. Uh, they're come playing undefeated Kentucky next. If you'll remember to a few years ago, Florida had a pretty gnarly win streak against Kentucky before it was broken in 2018. I believe it was 27 straight. So we'll see if Florida can start a new win streak coming up against the Wildcats this weekend. Uh, Florida looked pretty good against Alabama, so we'll see if they have the chops to take on the SEC East. They just got to take care of business against Kentucky, and we'll see, and we'll all look forward to that Georgia game in Jacksonville as the SEC East usually runs through that. Number nine, we got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They're 4-0 after blowing out Wisconsin and Chicago over the weekend. Notre Dame still has plenty of challenges uh, coming up. They got that big game against Cincinnati coming up. Uh, they are on Their defensive coordinator is Marcus Freeman, who spent the past four years as the defensive coordinator as, at Cincinnati. So it's going to be big. They got three home games in October, Cincinnati, USC, and North Carolina. Got to take care of business and all of those. USC and North Carolina both looking like pretty weak opponents after this weekend. But we'll see how good Cincinnati really is. The Bearcats will be forever burned into my mind from that jump pass they made to Travis Kelsey in like 2012 or something. Legendary play. Against Syracuse? Uh, Probably. I just remember the Travis Kelsey catching it and scoring for like the win. Mm. Good times. All right, well, moving on to number eight in the country. Moving up to the Arkansas Razorbacks. 
They uh, had a tough win against the number seven Texas A&M Aggies, snapping that 11-game winning streak they had against Arkansas. Oh, sorry, the nine-game winning streak. Arkansas A&M was on an 11-game winning streak at the time. Number two Georgia, uh, coming up on the schedule for the Razorbacks. They have a good. They had a good preview against a Georgia-style offense against the Aggies and a strong run game with the best defensive line in the SEC. That is the Arkansas Razorbacks, and they are looking to. Play to their strengths. Uh, Sam Pittman is a f- former Kirby Smart assistant, so he knows all about what the Bulldogs have to author. Uh, will the Cinderella season for Arkansas continue in Athens on Saturday? We shall see. So he's like Nick Saban's grandson. Effectively, yeah. He's he's two degrees of separa- separation away from Nick Saban. Now, now, Nick Saban's never been beaten by one of his coordinators, but has he ever been beaten by one of his coordinators' coordinators is the real mm, question. We can only hope. Maybe I, that's in the future. I think I think that might be the kryptonite. We just haven't gotten to that point. Nick Saban's getting so old that his coordinator's coordinators are now coaching. He's going to end up playing like his coordinator's grandson soon or something. He's they're going to beat him. It's kind of like that uh, hereditary stuff where it like skips a generation. Yeah, the second generation is going to beat. They're going to smack down Nick Saban. Watch. Good. All right, we might be onto something here. Um, the ESPN Power Football Index gives number seven Cincinnati a 47% chance to win at Notre Dame on Saturday. Uh, the Bearcats aren't <laughs> Bearcats, not Gates. Um, th- they are coming off a bye week, so they've had plenty of time for prepare. If Cincinnati goes undefeated and wins the American Conference, it would have a 70% chance to reach the playoff. How about that? Whoa. If they lose, 9% chance. Well, they better not lose. Hot take from me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to head on over to the Big 12 once again, and the Oklahoma Sooners are 4-0 and um, after a lackluster performance against West Virginia. They hit a game-winning field goal, so they just scored one touchdown against the Nears at home. Um, so we'll see about that. They got Kansas State this Saturday, and then the Red River Showdown against Texas on October 9th. So they need... That they are the presumptive heir to the Big 12 in the college football playoff. The seat is waiting for them if they can just make it there. Uh, we'll see if they have the chops to uh, earn their 40-point loss in the playoffs this year. That's Oklahoma for you. Moving on, we got Iowa. They are 4-0, and number five in the land. They have knocked. Uh, they survived a bit of a scare against Colorado State. I believe they were down at some point. They are facing an unbeaten Maryland team in Maryland in Week 5. And then they come home to take on Penn State, which, if things hold as they are right now, will be a top-10 matchup. Um, They had a pretty shoddy run game against Colorado State. Tyler Goodson had 57 yards on 18 carries. The offense really needs to step up if they want to contend for that Big Ten West. Speaking of the Big Ten, we got Penn State sitting at 4-0. They're number uh, four now, moving up two spots, leapfrogging uh, Clemson. And then you got uh, Sean Clifford, who's spreading the ball around to the playmakers. You know, we, we know about Penn State as Auburn fans, so we're going to wish them the best of luck throughout the rest of the season. Um, we'll see how many Big Ten wins they can get and before they run into those marquee matchups against Ohio State and Michigan later on in the season. You got Oregon at number three. Yeah. um, Far and away favorite for the Pac-12. They got Stanford and Cal coming up in the next two weeks, so it should be pretty easy wins. Then they got an interesting trip to the Rose Bowl on the 23rd to take on UCLA. They are the heir apparent to the Pac-12 in the playoff. Um, Kavion 
Thibodeau did have to make an exit against Arizona, so they need a big win uh, after underperforming against Arizona this past weekend. And then number two and number one, of course, you got Georgia and Alabama both sitting at 4-0. and They both have big games this weekend, Georgia taking on Arkansas and Alabama hosting the running Rebels of Ole Miss. Uh, last year, the Rebels gave Alabama their big, biggest kind of challenge as they hung 48 points on them, which is pretty hard to do against a Bama defense. But unfortunately for the Rebels, the Tide threw 63 right back in their direction and came away with a win in that one on their way to a national title. So we'll see about that. Georgia, they have plenty of offensive woes to work out when you're not playing a team like Vanderbilt, I think. So we shall see if the line holds up for the Hogs and whether or not the Dogs of the Hogs come out on top in Athens on Saturday. So pretty interesting matchups for these two teams that are the presumptive favorites to meet up in Atlanta on December. We'll see if either one of them falters on Saturday as they both look to preserve their 4-0 records. Hmm. They also both have to contend with that with Auburn, which I think is going to be very tough. That's a fair point you bring up, Dylan. We're full of rage, and we love to ruin seasons. Yeah, we love to try to ruin seasons, but how often do we really? Last time we did it was, what, 2019, 2019 when we actually did? We ruined Bama's season. Although, it's only two years ago. Yeah. In 2017, we ruined Bama's season so hard that they won the national championship. Yeah, so... We like to we like to talk a big game, and I love when Auburn wins. But how much effect do we really have? In 2017, we ruined Georgia's season when they went to the college football playoff. So, you know, it's fun. We have a good time. We do have a good time. I love beating Bama and Georgia. We're gonna do both this year. Hmm. Call the shot. Okay. I respect it. Okay. Any any final big takeaways before we move away from college football this season? Um, on this day, college football history, we do have the Tim Tebow uh, speech after the loss to, the, to Ole Miss about how he promises to work hard. If you'll remember that from back in the day. Uh, the one where at where he cried? Well, you're going to have to be more specific, Davis. Okay, it's fair. Uh, the one after the loss to Ole Miss when he promised to, to work hard. I was thinking of it. Was I thinking of the one where he's like, we're going to go undefeated, and then they lost? Maybe I, at the press conference? After the press conference, yeah. After the game yeah. against Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm on a black t shirt. Pretty iconic. Okay, I, I, the t shirt's not going to help me there. Go it, was two, it was in 2008. Go old Tim Tebow. I didn't, used to, I didn't watch football then, so I can't Understandable. say I used to watch it. I can't say I've seen it. If Alex were here, he'd tell you what he was doing when it happened. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, Florida Gators did go on to win the SEC championship that season. So I guess Tebow, Tebow's speech did, did, make, did make at least a little bit of a difference. Hmm. All right, so that is going to do it for college football for today. When we come back, we've got some baseball to talk about as the Phillies and the Braves will be playing this week and huge implications this is what it's all about this is the playoffs before the playoffs if you will as the braves clinging to their playoff spot hoping not to get knocked off by the fighting phils from philadelphia Uh, we'll also talk about the rest of the playoff picture what to expect in the first round of the playoffs and more as the 100 win dodgers are stuck in a wild card spot believe it or not we will tell you the story on the other side of this break don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you on the other side of this two-minute break. I got Dylan. I got Davis. I'm Jack Hart. You're listening to WEGL, the Big 91, here in Auburn.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. We also got Luke Walker, chief engineer here at WEGL, joining us in the booth for today. We got a lot to get to in the final 30 minutes of the show. We got some baseball pennant chases to talk about, and we got some cookies to eat, so stick around as we got plenty to get to. But first, this is the bottom of the hour, 9.33 a.m., September 27th, 2021. We got your weather report right here if you're listening locally here in Auburn, Alabama. 74 degrees and sunny. Uh, lovely fall morning here, about as fall morning as you can get here in Alabama. It's going to get up to 83 today. That's your high, your low of 61, probably in the shade. So go ahead and find the shade if, you need, if you're wearing a sweater like Davis is today. Um, 77 degrees is your morning temp, probably going to get up to 83 this afternoon. No chance of rain, though, so go ahead and stow away that raincoat. Heading over to the nighttime, you got a 3% chance of rain and a 63 degrees overnight temperature as a few clouds roll in. However, we are looking at mostly clear skies. Once again, Hurricane Sam moving from west to east, or east to west, rather, across the Atlantic Ocean. Not making landfall yet, not projected to either, but is currently sitting at a Category 4 out in the southern Atlantic. All right, that's going to do it for your weather report for today. But we're going to jump right into Major League Baseball. Once again, um, as I get this pulled up, I would like to welcome Davis into the show. I'd like to welcome Luke onto the show as well. Davis, do you have a, do you have a show coming on today? Today at 4 o'clock. Are you with that? Uh, Weagle's favorite hip-hop show, maybe? I don't know if I can make that claim yet, but I will be having Luke on. I will be there as well. We'll so. be working on our playlist later today, trying to get a good good flow going. I've already I got would, a few songs chosen. I would say it's Weagle's best best uh, hip hop show. We got competition with there's a there's a classic hip hop show. Is there like a '90s hip hop? Huh. I can't remember what it's called. I think Tate. No, it's not Tate. Is that Someone new Re- as of recent? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. And Jack recorded the imaging for it, but I can't remember what the show was called. Huh. It was pretty. Gotta it sounded cool out. though. We shall see. Got competition. You're crazy for that sweater, by the way. I don't know. It, it, Look, here's the it thing. Is here's not the thing. That cold. <laughs> well, I, I asked my Alexa what it was, and she told me it was 54 degrees. I was Alexa's like, oh. over here lying to you. Our, our yeah. day starts a little <laughs> earlier than yours, Luke. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> the sun's not quite out when Convey Discord starts. And I was like, oh, 54. I can wear my sweater. I was like, okay. And I got out there, and it was not 54. And I was like, I was already running late, so I didn't want to go back in and take it off. So better to have too many layers. Than you know what? Few. I'll take it off right now, just for y'all. Oh, my goodness. All right. While Davis takes off his sweater, we're going to run into the MLB standing. So buckle up. The pennant chases are heating up. In the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays have finally clinched, I believe, their third straight division title with a 97-59 record. Now it's all up to the Yanks and Sox to determine the wild card race. In the Central, the Sox, as we've known for a while, are locking up that Central Division, so we will see the Chicago White Sox in the playoffs. They are sitting at 98-68. and 68. Out West, we still have plenty to decide as the Houston Astros are sitting on top of the division, but the Mariners and Athletics are going to fight tooth and nail for that second wildcard spot. Moving on to the National League, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers locking up, clinching that Central Division. Once again, you got 94-62 and 62 record for the Brewers. However, the wild card is yet to be determined as the Cardinals, Reds, and Phillies are all battling. Out west, you've got the San Francisco Giants. They have gotten a playoff spot but have not yet clinched the division. 102-54 record for the Giants with an 156 record for the Dodgers right behind them. They're two games behind the Dodger, or behind the Giants, rather. 
So neither of those teams has clinched the division yet. They are fighting for home field advantage out west are the Dodgers and Giants. We knew it all year, but it is coming down to the final week of the season to see who will come away with that National League West division. All right, and then you got in the Eastern Division, you got Atlanta Braves, 83 and 72. They are two and a half games ahead of the Phillies, sitting at 81 and 75. Those two teams are going to be battling, and it looks like for Philadelphia, it's either division championship or bust, as the Dodgers have the first wild card spot locked up, and it's going to be the Cardinals or the Reds in the second one if they don't play a perfect rest of the season. So that is going to do it for your MLB scoreboard for the final four days of the MLB season. Davis? Initial reactions? I think the most exciting uh, fight going on here for me is the NL West. I'm a fan of a team in the NL West, so I've been paying most attention to it. Uh, Padres have very precipitous fall. Now not even close, to, not even going to make playoffs. But, you know, uh, I'm rooting for the Giants. I'm not a big Dodgers fan. The lost asterisk rule Dodgers, as you like to say sometimes. Mm, yes. Uh, there's a few teams, obviously, you said locked it up. I am excited uh, to see the Braves maybe fight for it. But the thing I'm most excited for, I know I've been saying excited a lot this, this my talking segment here, uh, is that the Mariners are inching towards it, might be able to break their drought. Yeah, so let's head on over to the wild card. In the National League, it's a little less interesting, so we'll start there. Uh, the Dodgers with a 156 record. I don't know if a 100-win team has ever gotten a wild card spot before, but it could happen this year. They are 13 games positive on that wild card one spot. So they're either winning the division or getting that one wild card spot. No bones about it. Uh, but the second wild card spot is where things get interesting. The resurgent St. Louis Cardinals are on a 15 game winning streak. They have crashed the party and are now sitting pretty six games ahead of the Reds. Um, so if the season were to end today, the St. Louis Cardinals would be in that second wild card spot, and it's going to be pretty hard to dislodge them from it. However, the Reds and the Philadelphia Phillies are going to try their darndest to do so. They need to play pretty much perfect as their elimination numbers are both one. So uh, one loss, and they're pretty much toast. So that is going to do it for the NL. Heading over to the AL, where things get really interesting, the New York Yankees, after a big series with the Red Sox over the weekend, they are still sitting at one game positive on the wild card race. They are 89-67. and 67. But hot on their heels are the Boston Red Sox sitting at 88 and 68. They currently hold the second wild card spot. So we, there is a situation season into today we would see three ALS teams all in the playoffs. Uh, speaking of the ALS, right behind the uh, Boston Red Sox is the Toronto Blue Jays. They are one game behind the Red Sox. And then as far as other teams in contention, you got the two teams out west. The Mariners and the A's are two games and three games back of that second wild card spot respectively. So a lot can happen in this final week of the season, and five teams are going to have to fight it out for two spots in the American League wildcard race. What, who, do you, who do you like to uh, come out on top in this one, Davis? Uh, for the AL? Yeah, I mean, you got five teams, you got two spots. Who do you, who do you slot into the wildcards? I mean, realistically, you'll probably say the Yankees and the Red Sox. But, you know, I think the Mariners are looking good. They're next few games are at home. They're playing the Athletics and the Angels. And I think 
You know what? I'm going to say the... I mean, the Yankees have three games against the Blue Jays, and then they have three games against the Rays. And are the Rays going to be resting up before the playoffs, or are they going to be trying to if I were the secure Rays, home field? Yeah, if I were the Rays, i just keep going for it. You can rest up, but like, how how tired are you really getting from playing a few baseball games? Wow. Just saying. You're casting dispersions? On I mean, the... you sit half the time. I mean, like, I love baseball. It's, I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, but, like, at the end of the game, you're probably going to be sore, but you're not going to be dead tired like you are playing football. So if I were the Rays, I'd try to see go hard against the Yankees, see if you can knock them out, maybe get the Mariners in there because it'd be a much more uh, likable matchup uh, for yeah. them. If there, I will say the Red Sox have a much, else. much easier schedule. They have three games against the Orioles and three games against the Nats to interleague play to end off the season. So the Orioles or the Red Sox rather have a much easier path in their final six games. Looking at the final games of the Athletics. They got the Mariners, of course. Well, uh they won't show me their games. They won't show me their games either. Are they hiding something? Yeah, I got it. They got the Mariners and then they got the Astros for their final series of the season. And if the Astros play like they have been all season. That might be a hard one for them. Yeah. Um, all right, and then we're going to move on to the marquee matchup, the Atlanta Braves' final six games. They got three against the Phillies starting tomorrow, and they got three against the Mets starting on October 1st. It's all about the Mets, baby. Go Mets. Um, so we are looking at that Phillies versus Braves series. All right, the Phillies and the Braves, two NL East rivals chasing the same prize this week at Truist Park in Atlanta. The teams open a three-game series on Tuesday night in Atlanta with the Braves holding a two-and-a-half game lead in their quest for their fourth consecutive NL East title. The Phillies have their backs against the wall as they try to win their first division title since 2011. The Braves' magic number is at five, meaning any combination of five Braves wins and Phillies' losses would give Atlanta the title. Fangraphs gives the Braves an 87.3% chance to win the division, with the Phillies having a 12.7% chance if you can subtract from 100 the earliest the Braves can clinch is Thursday, but only if they sweep the series. The Phillies, on the other hand, need to sweep the series to give themselves even a fighting chance because even if they win twice in Atlanta, they will be two back in the loss column with only three to play. So here's a look at the upcoming series in Atlanta. On Tuesday, tomorrow, you got Zach Wheeler against Charlie Morton. Mm, that's going to be a difficult one. That is a great pitching matchup. And then on Wednesday, you got Aaron Nola, who Ooh. has given the Braves fits all season against Max Freed. He is 13 and 7 with a sub three and a half ERA. Thursday, you got Kyle Gibson versus Ian Anderson. And then uh who are the players to watch? Of course, you got Bryce Harper, as always. Uh, he's a front runner for the NL MVP because of this strong second half. He's batting 347 with 26 doubles, one triple, 19 home runs, 48 RBIs, and a 1.225 OPS in the 67 games following the All-Star break. Other notable pitchers. Or, uh, players on the Phillies. You got Brad Miller at first base and Hector Neris, the right handed pitcher for the Fighting Phils. Over on the Braves, you have, of course, the illustrious Freddie Freeman, uh, reigning NL MVP. He's continuing to play well. He's batting 337 with a 951 OPS in September. He's hit seven of his 31 homers this season so far against the Phillies. You also cannot talk about the Braves without talking about Austin Riley. He's got a slash line of 328, 328, 537. So he's looking to stay hot, is the Braves' third baseman. And then finally, you got Eddie Rosario, the surprise wild card out of the Braves. He's hit four homers since September 11th and has a over-one OPS. So 
plenty of offense for the Braves. It's going to be, as it always is, whether or not the Braves pitching can stay hot under the pressure. Hmm. hmm. I think the Braves can pull this one out, The but Bryce Harper has a tendency to go, like, Super Saiyan mode at random times during the season. He is in the MVP race, of course. So you got to watch out for him. There's obviously Didi Gregorius, too, Gene Sakura, Andrew McCutcheon. Just depends on how they're feeling this week. Didi's not playing too amazing this season. Neither is McCutcheon. But uh, I think the Braves have a good chance. And I would like to see the Braves win. They're kind of the hometown team around here. All right. So looking at the playoff picture before we head to a break, if the season were to end today, it would be the Tampa Bay Rays in the one seed in the AL. They would be playing the winner of the Yankees-Red Sox game. Talk about a playoff matchup between those teams. And then over on the other side of the bracket, it would be the White Sox and the Astros linking up for the ALDS. In the NL, it would be the one-seeded San Francisco Giants taking on the winner of a Dodgers-Cardinals series. And then your two and three seeds would be, of course, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. So those would be your 10 playoff teams if the season were to end today. But, you know, that's why they play the games. Six games left in the MLB season. We will see who comes out on top and who will be chasing for the pennant as we continue to move out through the week. All right, that's going to do it for MLB Chat. On the other side of the break, we got a lot to get to. I'm hanging out with Luke. I'm hanging out with Davis. You're listening to Compact Discourse on the Big 91 here, WBGL 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes on the other side of this break. We've got a, a score to settle. We've got to find the best sandwich cookie in the land, and uh, we need your help. So go ahead and stay tuned in two minutes. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse Switch. right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Luke Walker. We're welcoming you into the booth today for another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. It's a Monday. Thank you for joining us on this fine Monday. It's a fine fall Monday outside as well. Pretty cool, especially in the shade. So go ahead and get the pumpkin spice lattes out and enjoy a hot beverage. Unless you're sitting in the sun, of course, then, uh, you know, it's Alabama after all. You can only take as good as you get it. We're talking about cookies coming up here in a little bit because we got a score to settle and an official stance, a line in the sand to draw, if you will. So you aren't going to want to miss that. But first, you know, I got to plug stuff. Yeah, that's, that's why we're here. Uh, we got Auburn stages coming up this week, as Dylan mentioned. Uh, it's coming up on Thursday. Uh, Luke, you'll be helping out with that. Yeah, we got uh, Sonic Nation, which I believe, I guess he already talked about it, but yeah, they're with the uh, College of Music. Awesome. Uh, we also got Sushi Making, September 30th at 5.30 in the Melton Student Center Ballroom. That's brought to you by uh, UPC, the Culinary Club, and the International Student Organization. If you want to learn how to make sushi a valuable skill, uh, you can go ahead and do that. September 30th, 5.30 p.m. in the Melton Ballroom. Uh, that's way upstairs on the third floor. Um, hope everybody had a good homecoming. A lot of festivities, a lot of fun. Um, you can follow WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU to get all the updates on that. You can also follow at Auburn UPC if you want to get updates on all the events UPC has going on. All right, let's get on with the show. I got Davis and I got Luke in here for this week's exciting theme, I think we could call it. Uh, We're going to be determining right now, 
definitively what the best chocolate sandwich cookie is once and for all so you don't have to. And uh, the way we'll be doing that is March Madness style. If you're watching on the video broadcast, I do have a bracket. Uh, we will be determining, uh, based on empirical scientific evidence, what the best cookie is. And uh, if you have an opinion on this, you can uh, call in or tweet at us once you go get the cookies yourself. We will be telling you where I got all these cookies so you can make a decision for yourself. Um, starting off, the first matchup is going to be the All-American, the favorite, the classic, the presumptive heir to the throne, the unassailable mm. Oreo cookie against uh, gluten-free? Glutino. I thought, I thought you were about to hit a pump fake on that and go for the, the gluten-free gluten free. The, so the yeah. American favorite. We shall see if the gluten-free chocolate sandwich cookie can hold up to the Oreo. Davis, will you present us with cookies? So they just want to hear us Oreo. chew it in the microphone, right? I think we should take turns <laughs> eating so we're not all chewing Oreo. at once. I'll let Luke go first. So smell and design? Every should I go into it? Yeah. Give it a whiff. It is very chocolatey, as, as a chocolate sandwich cookie is wont to do. It's very classic. It says Oreo right on the cookie. It's unmistakable. So I mean, it's, it, 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 it says what it does on the, on the wrapper. Presentation's awesome. Is it my turn? Go ahead and eat your Oreo cookie, Davis. So Davis and Luke are That is eating. definitely an Oreo. Yeah. I mean, that is does what it says, packaging does is what not it says on the packaging. It is an Oreo uh, from Nabisco. You can buy these at uh, any retailer, really. Pretty I've had it many times in my life. But pretty much anywhere this, uh, business is done. You can, great with milk. You can pick up an Oreo. All right. I'm going to eat my Oreo gluten now. Gluten-free one might throw me for a whirl here in a sec, but... Uh, I think we're off to a hot start with that Oreo. Oreo's like the archetype. Everything's everything is it's what I expect everything to be. So it might be kind of unfair that it's in the in the pool. Mm -hmm. Y'all ever had the uh, the double stuff Oreo? That's my favorite one. I'm with that. I thought it was important to include the Oreo. You know, maybe we could have a big upset. We could. Like, you don't just hand the crown over to Virginia. You know, you got that's fair. You okay, gotta, you got to make them play UMBC. You've got a good point. And UMBC might just win. All right, so I had my Oreo. It was classic. It's about what you expect, and uh, it's it's the one to beat. So um, you would like to partake in the gluten-free cookie now, Luke? Bottom. How's up. it smell? Cheers. Uh, just just from appearance, uh, I will say I do enjoy. Yeah, it's cool. There's holes in the in the cookie, so where you can see the sandwich cream inside. I will say a lot of the cookies in there are offset. I had to fix mine so it's like correct, but like half of them are just like this. Mm -hmm. They all like look kind of wonky. As a general rule, we will just be eating the cookie as a cookie. There will be no peeling apart or licking. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't. We're we're judging them purely as their on their value as a cookie. Main difference there, I would say texture. Yeah, it's a little a little rougher, um, almost like a little <laughs> a little plasticky, a little mealy aftertaste. Okay. I'm not. A big, I don't know if I can finish <laughs> um, this one. You can't finish it. I mean, I can finish on, it. I just don't want be to. Be a man. All right, I'll let Luke continue his analysis while I um, eat the cookie. Definitely, definitely a little different uh, texture than the Oreo there. It doesn't quite as much melt in your mouth. Um, it, <laughs> it starts out like the crunch on it is a lot more substantial, and it starts out tasting pretty good to me, or good, I'll just say. But then it just kind of, the aftertaste to it is just not good. That's 
That's usually what happens with the gluten type stuff. I think initially it was there. Could I get a little palate cleanser, Jack? Would you mind? Yeah. So, I will say, it starts <laughs> off very crunchy. It's very crunchy, but it does have a bit of an edge. It ends with like a like a plasticky taste, like you said. So, I don't really know what to make of that. I think we can. Uh, I'm glad I've tried it. You know, but it's an experience. I don't. I, I think, unfortunately, for for the Vegas odds. Uh, the Cinderella story for the gluten-free cookie is going to have to come to an end right now as I think we're all going to pick Oreo to move on to the next round. Yes. Yeah. All right. Pretty clearly. That's going to do it. In a blowout, Oreo defeats gluten-free cookie. 3-0. That is brutal. Glutino. All right. Coming up next, we got the Twist and Shouts. Favorite of me. I'm going to try and stay unbiased, but I love a Twist and Shout. Twist and Shout, if you don't know, is the great value brand. You can pick these up at Walmart or Walmart-related stores. They are taking on the chocolate creams of Publix. Now, we are to stay unbiased um, in terms of packaging, but I will say the packaging for the chocolate creams is very cool. has a panda bear on it. The panda witch. Just from uh, looking at it, I don't know, it looks, it looks a, little, uh, a little weak on the stuffing already. Um, it might be a half stuff here. but So looking at the twist and shout, it, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a thin cookie. Uh, Luke, if you want to go ahead, it's got flowers on it. Um, instead of any, if you if you if you showed this to an alien, they probably wouldn't be able to deduce that it was a twist and shout or where it came from. But but it does have flowers on it and a very a very immaculate pattern. It but smells awesome too. That's probably the best smell we've gotten. It tastes like a like freshly baked. It smells like the ones that came in Lunchables when you were a kid. Hmm. Okay, like the generic ones. But uh, the the cream does not go all the way to the edge, on the twist and shout. Definitely more of the uh, the cookie heavy on that one. It's got it's got a way more overpowering um, presence than the Oreo. But mm. all right, mm. I'm gonna have a bite of mine. I think next cookie we should all eat it at the same time and just chew into the microphone for our listeners. I think they they would probably appreciate that. The twist and shout cookie taste is a little overwhelming for me. I really enjoy the cookie though. Like it's overwhelming, but it's it a is great, good. It's a great yeah. taste. It's it's definitely you, a different. You wouldn't taste. even know it's a sandwich cookie if not for the texture. If that makes I sense. I think it could use a little more cream, personally. Like I said, the cream doesn't go all the way to the edge. You don't really notice it. the The cookie part has a similar taste to another snack I've had before. Maybe like graham crackers mm, or something. Chocolate Teddy graham crackers. Is that? <gasps> That's what it is. Yes, that is what it those is. Are good. That is a, a overall. The taste. cookie is probably. I mean, that, that steals the show. The, the twist and shout cookie is unassailable. I think. I think the cookie is. Uh, but we might have to. We'll, we'll see how it fins up against the chocolate cream. All right. So next up, taking on the twist and shout, is the chocolate cream from Publix, the so-called panda witch, if you will. Ooh. This one also has flowers on the cookie, but it says Publix. Unmistakably, it does say Publix on it. It also looks a bit smaller than Twist and Shout. I think the cookie maybe can can you compare the size for us, Davis? Yes. Chocolate cream versus Twist and Shout. It is. It just looks a little bit smaller, but it is taller. Like the cookies are thicker. So there's thickness, and then there's size. You can see the the little bit of an aura. We can't because my fingers are there, but you can see it's a little bit Twist and Shout's a little bit bigger. I wonder why they went with the Publix on the cookie itself as well. That seems like maybe an unnecessary extra step. 
Just letting you know where it's from. Gotta let. It doesn't smell as good to me personally. It doesn't smell. Yeah, it doesn't smell like much. If I'm being honest, it does it have has more, like a fruity scent to it. Does it have a more bit. cream? Does appear that the cream goes all the way to the edge in in some parts of this cookie as well. Mine There's, doesn't. It Mine's kind of offset. <laughs> all right, Luke. All right, go for it. Let's go for it. So this is to take on. This is only compared to the twist and shout. Don't put the Oreos and the gluten-free cookies out of your mind. Those glutinos. This is uh this is only to be to have the right to move on against the twist and shout. Hmm. Way more cream heavy mm. on the Publix one. Much less of a a cookie presence there. Now I will say yeah. what inspired this whole challenge was I got some duplex creams, which is one side vanilla, one side chocolate from Publix. Uh, and the cream was was very lackluster, not great cream. Uh, it was all, more like a frosting. It was very loose. It squeezed out of the cookie. It was all, it was a mess. But it seems that the this is a much more traditional. It's, I'm not getting any cream out from squeezing this cookie. So Publix may have a different uh, cream brand depending on the cookie type. I liked that. Yeah, that was pretty that was good. good. I had never had that before. Um, I think they they've kind of figured out how to do the cream their own way. It is a very unique the filling. The cookie just kind of takes a step back and lets it work. <laughs> lets the cream shine. I personally might have an upset here. What do you think, Jack? Let you finish chewing first, obviously. Publix? I think I, I think, think I understand why they, I understand why they put one. the Publix on there. It's got a graham crackeriness that I don't know if I enjoy. Hmm. I don't enjoy the cookie taste as much as the twist and shout. Is that fair? That's that fair. That is fair. I think I, the texture was very good. It went down very smooth. Like it only took a few chews. It wasn't too crunchy, but I don't know if I liked the flavor as much. So I don't think the cookie was as good, but I think the overall ratio is better. I think you're right. So, uh, yeah, if it was just a cookie off, I think the twist and shout would definitely. Land. However, I think I don't know. I think the the chocolate cream, the Panda Witch, might might be hitting a buzzer beater here. I'm I'm voting Panda Witch personally. I'm there. Moving yep. on to the next round. All right. Awesome. You heard it here first, folks. Is my marker over there? Yeah, it is. So, I'm going to officially submit into the record that the Oreo defeated the gluten-free cookie pretty handily. We'll give it a 3-0. And we'll save it the chocolate cream upset over the twist and shout. We'll give it a 2-1. Although, I, th I think I might be buying twist and shouts in the future just based off the cookie. I will say the twist and shout has the best packaging of all of them. Well, well, like well. like resellability. Oh, interesting. Mm, convenience. Even wise. better than the Oreo? I think so because it, it's actually staying closed. The Oreo you can see is kind of is the I have issues with Oreos things because sometimes they'll like kind of bow open a little bit and there's just a little it's not airtight. But this one's that's why you like got a military grade. You got to open it and eat it all in one sitting. I can't do so. that. That's what you have to do with the creams and the glutinos. That's why I don't like those packaging. All right, so here's where it currently stands. If you're watching on our video broadcast, I do have the. Bracket for you, the Oreos defeated the gluten-free cookies, and the Twist and Shouts defeated the chocolate creams. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be tasting the Walmart sandwich cookies uh, that are not Twist and Shouts, uh, just a different Walmart brand of cookie, against the SE Grocers cookie from uh, Winn-Dixie. We're also going to be having the Kroger cookie taking on the Piggly Wiggly cookie. So stay tuned tomorrow as the cookie challenge continues as we on Compact Discourse are doing the heavy lifting for you and determining what the best sandwich cookie in the land is. So don't go anywhere because we got that coming up 
all this week. We'll crown a champion on Thursday to determine the best sandwich cookie ever. Any final thoughts from from, from this cookie adventure? That was a pretty big surprise for the Publix one for me. The smell really kind of put me off at first, but I like the taste. Yeah, Grant, I mean, the whole challenge was based off a bad Publix cookie I had. So to have them come in and kind of shock the competition, I, very surprising to me. I will say I'm looking forward to the potential of one day having a chippers competition, a chocolate chip cookie competition. That is an interesting Cause proposition. Because I already, already have my favorite, and it's not Chips Ahoy. What's your favorite? Chippers from Walmart. Mm. That could be uh, that could be next week. We'll see. We'll find uh, out. Yeah, a lot no, of cookies to eat. Only one way to find out, and that's tuning into Compact Discourse right here on WEGL. Thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse. However you joined us today, whether that be from your terrestrial radio antenna, the information superhighway, WEGLFM.com, or watching our live stream or podcast. We want to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, commercial-free, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. If you want to get updates on the show, important information, and more, you can follow the station, WEGL, on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. That's WEGL underscore AU on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And with that, for Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, and Luke Walker, thank you for joining me on another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We'll talk at you tomorrow morning on Tuesday. We'll uh, we'll be talking about not sports, hopefully. Although, we've got Chris Tobias coming in tomorrow, as it is Tuesday. So we may be talking about Auburn wide receivers, as he can't seem to stop talking about that. As always, I've been Jack Hart. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. And uh, War Eagle, go 1-0. completely recharged.